Good morning and welcome everybody. You're listening to Faith FM 87.6, 87.8 or 88 right across Australia, right across the Faith FM network, wherever you are. This is The Breakfast Show, positively different radio in the morning and you are with Lyle and... Mon! Morning, Mon, how are you this morning? Yeah, good as gold, how are you? I'm great. What are you grateful for? Rain. Rain. I knew you was going to say rain. <laughs> I stepped out my front door this morning and I was like, Lyle's going to be grateful for rain. I can feel it in me waters. You have no idea how... Grateful for rain. I've only got about half a millimetre so far, which is really frustrating. Oh, poor you. It's just like a taste on the tip of my tongue. I think the farmers are super grateful for rain as well this morning. It'll add, it'll, it, we've had enough rain to create a green drought. Yeah, that's true, actually. Yeah. Yeah. We need some serious rain. May it continue. Each raindrop that is out there, have lots of children. Breed. <laughs> I've never heard such a sentiment. Get on with it. Do you know what I'm grateful for, happen. Lyle? What? I'm grateful that I made it to work today. So I'm not going to lie, I almost had a car accident. Yeah. You saw a car accident? I saw it, like, like literally three minutes later, I was going around a roundabout. I don't think I was speeding, but halfway through the roundabout, my car went sideways. Like I started like drifting unintentionally. You were on the inside or the outside I lane? I was on the inside lane with a car next to me and on the left-hand Ooh. side and I was drifting to the left. Um, and so, yeah, I lost control of it. Uh, but thankfully it came out of it by itself and I just kept rolling and didn't make contact with anything. But it was really freaky. <laughs> yeah, this is what happens when you get have rain, when there hasn't been rain for a very long time. The roads are just ridiculously really slick yeah. because all of the, you know, you've got, what, three months of oil and dust that has mm-hmm. accumulated there and hasn't been washed off. And I've been noticing it every time I let the clutch out at the set of lights. Um, my my yep, traction slip. control mm-hmm. just kicks in and goes nuts. So yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah please take care on the roads out there, guys. It's a bit dangerous today. If you're in the very much so, very if much in so. the rain. Yeah, yeah. And I, and the other thing is, we forget how to drive in the rain. I know we're such because it's been so long. <laughs> it's been like forever. I don't remember I last drove. Last time it rained here in the Newcastle region, I was in the outback. So I haven't oh, driven in rain in this ages. region for, what, five, six months? Okay, yeah, yeah. You've forgotten how to do it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, just go slower, everyone. Take your turns a bit easier. Anyway, great show coming up for you today. This is a reminder. You are listening to the delayed broadcast here on Faith FM. If you would like to listen to the live show and interact with Mon and myself for the breakfast show, then simply go to faithfm.com.au and press play or use the Tune In radio app. There you go. And our friendly magpie is back making his nest out of our front doormat. Oh, serious? I wonder yes, how he's done it for the last three that. mornings.
Was Jason Gray with Blessed Be, and you're listening to Faith FM. Uh, we're so glad that you are here this morning, Mon, safe and sound, after your little uh, drifting exercise this morning. Yes. <coughs> Mon's our, our latest drift driver here at uh, Faith FM. Unintentional <laughs> driver. Do your tyres have tread? Probably not. That's the other th- as soon as it happened, I'm like, I bet you I have the boldest <laughs> You haven't looked, right? <laughs> no, I haven't looked. I'm a girl. I don't look at this kind of thing. Okay. Uh, Dear. What have we got for the uh, Actually, quiz? Speaking of cars, yes. I might need to get you to check my oil. There's this thing you pull it out, and if there's oil on the bottom and it's between two lines, it's good. And if it's not, it's bad. I hate to tell you a lot, but I know how to do it. It's just that I have these things called fingers, and I don't like getting them dirty. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Tomorrow morning, no, no, no. you are not having turtle juice. <laughs> well, you t- are having some concrete. <laughs> You don't understand, La. The last time I tried to check my own oil, which was only like a little while ago, literally before I even got the bonnet open, I had broken three nails. I don't think you understand the frustration of trying to grow all your nails evenly and then like in a space of 15 seconds, three of them get ripped off because of some stupid car. First ah! world problems. If you think that Mon is being a snowflake this morning and that she needs to, that she needs to take a cup of a cup of concrete powder look, with her with her. Look, Lyle, I would be happy to juice. do it if there was no other option. But the fact that men exist and they're everywhere, <laughs> it's like why not let them do it? They love doing this kind of thing. It's what they were made for. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. I, I will actually enjoy checking your oil exactly. and laughing at you and here on Faith is, FM. That's the best part of it, is I get to laugh at you on the radio. <laughs> I have a brand new bottle of oil in, in the front of my car, Lyle. Yes. It's brand spanking new. Uh-huh. And um, I'm, I just It's not two-stroke oil, is it? I, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know, Lyle. <laughs> okay, so you've got a brand new container of oil, yes. And, uh, and I, I don't know whether or not my housemates already put some in, so I was like, I better check. Uh, you can look on the side and you can see whether any oil's gone out of it. Or shake it. It's black. You can't see nothing. It's usually got a clear strip down one side. Oh, it does it? That's handy. Yeah, but also there's this other thing like holding it up and shaking it. And if it's sort of a little yeah, bit empty. Yeah, my weight guessing. Or you can take good. the cap off and see whether the little plastic thing's been peeled off. I just off. don't want to. Like, I just want to steer want away to do from with touching it, it as much it's as possible. Like <laughs> it's dirty. It smells. It makes. I have to go scrub my hands afterwards and my hands are all. It's just. It's not a nice place for a girl. Do your fingernails right? <laughs> and scrub under your fingernails and polish them again and sand, sand them back off so they're the right shape. <laughs> sand them back off. Uh, anyway, quiz time, quiz time, quiz time. 
Who agrees with me that Mon needs concrete in her <laughs> breakfast? Okay, quiz time. Okay, let's do a what number am I? We haven't done one of those in a while. What number am I? Clue number one, because Jesus wasn't even this old, the Jews couldn't understand how he could have seen Abraham. Okay, what was the, what, what, what is a, what, who, a what? what was, <laughs> I was thinking about t- fixing your oil. Um, let's get back yeah, to that again. <laughs> what number am oh, I? Oh, what number? Because Jesus wasn't even this old, the Jews couldn't understand how he could have seen Abraham. And Lyle is dreadfully incorrect. So give me a call. 1-800-FAITH-FM, 1-800-324-843. You can text your guesses, 491 First person to get that answer right will get a clue. Tell me, I was pretty confident with that one. Tell me before Lyle gets it right, and I will send you two prizes. There you go. Epically wrong this morning. What have you got for uh, positively different news this morning, Mon? I'm struggling, Lyle. I'm struggling because I have so much good news. I'm just not even sure which one to go with. It's just so much happening. Okay. Uh, Oh, man. Oh, I wish I could have like twice as long for this segment this morning. Well, (laughs) the longer you complain about it, the less time you've got. I know, know, but it's so hard. Okay, okay, okay. okay, okay. Launch into it and go hard. I'll I'll, I'll not interrupt. Okay. No, you can interrupt. That's fine. Okay, 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 okay. So a Welsh hospice, hospital, right, mm. has been honouring um, the deceased young patients, which is very sad, uh, in a powerful, one-of-a-kind way. Um, I can't pronounce the name because it's written in Gaelic. <laughs> um, it's, a, it's in the Vale of Gar Morgan. Uh, has been translating the names of children into birdsong so that the calls can be played through the speakers in the Medical Centre's memorial garden. You have a confused look on your face. Yeah, I don't know. Like they have, uh, they get a parrot and teach you how to say the person's name. This is how they do it, right? So in order to create the bird songs, they have a sound engineer by the name of Justin Wigan. He translates the children's names into Morse code, right? And then he works with hospital staffers to select a bird which best represents the deceased child so he can sample its unique chirp and use its sound to spell out the name in Morse code. Okay, so if you want to appreciate this, mm-hmm. learn Morse code. I actually know Morse code, just very slow. Um, as the bird songs are then, tra- and then, they, and yeah, so then they record it and then they play the bird songs <clears throat> in the hospital memorial garden, um, and each name is followed by one second of silence for every year of that child's life, <clears throat> which is really powerful. As they call it, the, the hospital's bird song project. Um, and what's unique is that birds can hear the names being played in the garden and they actually ended up mimicking them in the wild. Um, so they've, they've discovered that the birds in the, in the region now sing these children's names in, like, in the wild trees. Okay, that's pretty cool. That is amazing. That is and so basically really cool. For the, for the families who are grieving, um, this has become you know, kind of a way that the child's memory is sort of in, in a way immortalized in nature. Um, you know, and, it, and it's bringing them some sort of comfort. Um, I think that's really sweet. That's amazing. It is incredible. That's blowing my mind right now. Yeah. It's, how do people come up with this kind of stuff? It's just incredible. So you take the child's name, you convert it into Morse code, then you work with the hospital staff and the family to find a bird that best represents that sort of kid's character or his personality. And then you use that bird song, like that bird's song and you mimic the chirps and so forth to recreate that Morse code um, sound and then you play it in the hospital memorial garden on the speakers followed by one second of silence for every year the child lived. 
and then the wild birds have been mimicking. That's that's, that's it in a, really cool. That's a really long nutshell, but that's it in a nutshell. Yep. That's amazing. Anyway, the p- things people have been saying. Um, said so now they they said that the bereaved parents can pop into the hospice memorial garden, sit down, and just listen to the bird song, which is played all year round, and listen out for the song that represents their child. Um, and they can listen to it in the wild. Yeah, that's as well. So one of the ladies, uh, Pauline Harvey, whose ten-year-old daughter Abigail was one of the child. Um, children memorialized by the project described the initiative as a humbling and breathtaking experience. She said, I stood in the memorial garden gazebo listening as the individual bird, sex, bought, sorry, bird songs came from different areas of the garden. All the songs were very different from each other, unique and beautiful. And a surprising thing happened. It felt as though the emotional downpour lifted and the sun came out from behind the clouds. I w- felt overwhelmingly warmed and comforted by what these people had done for me. I was no longer waiting to hear Abigail's name. That didn't seem to matter anymore. She was part of this chorus. Um, Her memory was part of every bird song and the silences celebrated each individual short life. But it felt like all the children were remembered together in the song of each bird. Imagine walking down the road one day and once you've learnt the the bird song name Mm -hmm. of your child and hearing a wild bird sing your child's name. It's It'd amazing. be really special. Because I, It'd be so special. Yeah, it'd be very touching. Because I have actually read this before, Lyle, that one of the things that parents... Because one of the most tragic things is you, a child dies before their parents. Um, and I have read that one of the things that they struggle with, which they didn't anticipate, is with never hearing the child's name again. Because people, like, they don't want to, you know, when they're talking to you, they don't want to remind you of your deceased child, and so they don't say the name. And so, you're like, it's a name that, you know, a lot of parents go into a lot of effort and, you know, a lot of thought and thinking to pick out. And then to never hear that name again, because people yeah. really want to be respectful, is really hard for them. And, like, when you do hear it, it's very jarring because you haven't heard it in so long because it's become, not like, a, not like a naughty word, but it's become something people won't say around you. I can totally relate to this. Yeah. Yeah, true, because your mother passed away when you were very Yeah, young. and people talk about your mother. Mm-hmm. They don't talk about Joan. Yeah, yeah. And so when you hear the name Joan, you're probably like, oh, wow. And like, mm, yeah. It is jarring. Yeah, so um, it's, it's really incredible. Oh, people could be capable of doing such beautiful things to help each other out. I just wish, I just wish we could do this all the time. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that was really sweet. Why did I pick that one? Now I feel like crying. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just, I'm just uh, considering whether I should uh, here's a box of tissues for him. Uh, yeah, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm going to be okay. I'm going to be, be okay, okay this morning. Oh, we need to remind people, Lyle. It's Father's Day this weekend, and I just want to quickly recap. A couple of weeks ago, we did a little, a little piece about what it is that fathers actually want the most for Father's Day, and we did like the top ten things that they wish for after like a massive survey of thousands and thousands of dads. Did you remember what was number one? An experience. No, that was number two. Oh, drat. Number one? Socks. No, that was like way different. <laughs> number one was a phone call. Oh, a phone call, a yeah, phone call. a phone call. Even better if you can go visit him and like have him a breakfast with him and, and a barbecue. But yeah, number one, give your dad a call. This Sunday is Father's Day. Don't forget your dads.
turning back, no turning back. The world behind me, the cross before me. The world behind me, the cross before me. The world behind me, the cross before me. No turning back. back that was wild atkins i have decided here on faith fm and we're gonna have another clue for our quiz i'm gonna see if i can try and get it this time i'm just gonna i'm gonna move the clues around because the next one's super easy okay clue number two which is actually clue number three when a priest was hang on a second when a priest was this many years old he had to retire when a priest was this many years old, he had to retire. Give me a call. 1-800-FAITH-FM. I'm just going to work out by decades. Lyle, don't give things like that away. And you are correct. There you go. Well, you don't know what my first... Nobody knows what my first guess was. And so if you, just go, up by, if you just go up by 10 years from my first guess, then that could be anything. Yeah, but it's still kind of hinty. Either which way, you didn't actually know the answer to that. You just did a wild guess. I did a wild stab in the dark and I got it right. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Nothing like a wild stab. Yeah. All right, so huge news. Oh. In fact, some of the uh, biggest news in Australian law since Federation. Serious? I am dead serious. What's the religious on? freedom law, oh, yeah. draft laws, have, uh, have just been announced. Um, and the Attorney General, Christian Porter, released them at a Jewish synagogue, which I think was very significant because the Jewish religion is one that has faced probably more discrimination than any other religion uh, down through history. And, uh, and so that's where he um, yeah, basically you know, outlined the, uh, the new law, the new, the new religious freedom laws. Uh, and this is to protect people of faith from discrimination. Mm-hmm. Um, it protects from discrimination, but it does not provide a right to discriminate. So it's going to be very interesting to actually see the fine detail of this law and then actually how it is interpreted and plays out. Uh, He described it as being a shield. It is not a positive right, as you have in the United States. And it is not a sword that you can use to attack, uh, you know, that religious people can use to attack or non-religious people can use uh, to attack. Uh, But it does provide for... For protection from discrimination within education, within employment, and within government services. Uh, 
Okay. Um, now, a business that chooses to discriminate mm-hmm. based on religion has to be able to, provo- to prove um, significant financial hardship due to that person's religious expression. Okay. So this is interesting um, for you and I as Seventh-day Adventists because we don't work you know, from sundown Friday to sundown Saturday, yep. according to the Bible. And so you know, a lot of jobs these days are on a rotating shift or a rolling shift, and you, know, you just simply work straight through the weekend, um, and you might have you know, sort of two or three days off sort of here and there, and it just, uh, it just rotates that way. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it would not give us a right to go to a company and say, you cannot fire me because I have chosen to become a Seventh-day Adventist because the company could say, well, this will bring financial hardship on our company uh, because we can no longer provide services on Saturday. So it doesn't provide that kind of protection. Um, on the other hand, it uh, does provide protection um, in relationship to your behavior, in relationship to the way that you might choose to dress. So, for instance, for Islamic people, they, it provides protection for them to, Islamic women to wear a burqa, uh, for Sikh men to wear a turban, you know, those kinds of, those kinds of things. So, so can I just ask, I'm, I still am a little bit confused. So I, I, or, I'm not, I already have a job, right? Yes. Um, my second job. Yes. And currently, like, they're, they're amazing, wonderful people, and they've let me keep the Sabbath. They're very respectful of my religion. Yes. Um, but if they suddenly turned around and said, do you know what? We're going to start giving you Saturday shifts, and if you don't do them, you're fired. You've got no. As my understanding is you have no protection here. Wow. Okay, that's the problem. Yeah. So that was that was a little bit interesting. Um, and the other thing that doesn't but protect, it wouldn't bring them financial hardship. They can just ship. They can put. They can just roster someone else on that shift. And this would be interesting to test in court and see how mm-hmm. that actually went, because it's a very you know there'd be valid arguments from both sides, uh, and they would have to be able to demonstrate that it would produce. Financial hardship. That financial hardship is a, they a long way. That they can't, you know, schedule other people on, you know, etc. And the whole business is going down the gurgler because I can't work. Well, not so much the business is going down the gurgler, but it's going to actually hurt the business. Yeah, but financial hardship, not just like oh, this cost us too many bucks. Like hardship sounds like you know they're on the rocks. Yeah, mm, well, I don't think that's the actual intention of the legislation. The way I understand it is that they would have to demonstrate that they'd be losing money. Okay, yeah. But yeah. most businesses, it would be a, like... Now, I would think in your situation, if they decided to fire you based on you know, your religious practice, um, because you're already an employee there, that uh, they would have to demonstrate that they cannot fill your shifts without you being there. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, some businesses are going to probably struggle with that because like, yeah, we have a rotating shift and this person doesn't fit into our rotating shift. But the... the Sorry, I'm still thinking about my like my situation and how that would work out just as, as to see how it would work out with, with other people. But even with my my job, even if they were like, we don't have anyone else who can do the Saturday shifts, even if I was like, well, that's too bad, I'm not showing up, and they just ran the business that one day down one staff, they would still operate, they would still make profit, and it would be a long time before they could compare the books with um, – you know, me not working on the Sabbath and having someone on the Sabbath, it'd be a long time before they could 
compare and say, oh yes, we did actually lose money. Yeah, and if they and if you, if they fired you because of your religious expression, and it, you know they're not those kind of people, I understand that. But if they did, and you then uh, sued them for unfair dismissal, it would probably be worth their while to actually take that time, and they would have that time available to be able to demonstrate that there is financial loss. Okay. Um, as a result of your religious practice. Okay, I feel like we're heading into murky waters with this. Yeah, thing. yeah, there's some murky waters here. Okay, so this is what else it doesn't protect. It doesn't protect Israel Falau. Ooh, snap. Because um, Rugby Australia would be able to demonstrate that the damage to their brand by having um, a player who is a public figure, so it doesn't necessarily protect what you do in your personal life, it just protects the business from loss of money. And if they say, well, our brand is going to receive damage because we, 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 we are managing a public figure who is damaging our brand, then, see, it all comes down nah, to the No, no, nah, I disagree with you. I mean, I think... Uh, okay, okay. Because okay. I, I, I mean... In the case of Israel's Falau, I don't think it really damaged them all that much. because, And that's what he would have to argue and demonstrate. Be like, open up the books, let's see how many of these hardcore rugby fans actually would, like, oh, do you know what? I'm not going to follow rugby anymore because of what Israel Falau put on his personal Instagram. I reckon the reality is they highly lost, they wouldn't have lost any money whatsoever. And he would, and he would, and that would be his counter argument. Yeah. And this is, this is what the uh, commentators are bringing out is that Israel Falau would have a counter argument that it wasn't causing financial hardship. Uh, but you know that's that's the way that the court case would proceed mm-hmm. if this legislation was in place, and it's not for a public figure. The important thing is that it does not protect you from your religious expression in your private life, because you, as a public figure, your name is attached to a particular brand. For a person like you and I, yes, we have those kind of protections because you would say, "Hey, I, you know, I work at a." at a such and such a job and a retail job and what I do in my private life has absolutely nothing to do with um, affecting the income of the business. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that's that's an interesting aspect of it. Um, there has been... But it's funny are, how religion here has been boiled down to money. Oh, hey, mm-hmm. very significant. The money is very a significant. argument. Yeah. Very significant. Now, of course, the, co- the, the, uh, um, the criticism is coming that there's been no consultation with um, religious leaders in preparation of this piece of document. And the other area that criticism is coming from is the LGBTQI community who are saying there's been no consultation with them. I'm asking why. Yeah. Because not, that's not a religious thing. Yeah. Did we, have to, did we have to run this by every single people group on the planet? Why and are they suddenly why, having why are these, special Now, I understand why the religious ones want some consultation. And I would say that, you know, that this is a response to the Ruddock report, and so there has been. Mm-hmm. Uh, but anyway... Um, I get the relevance to religion, definitely. Um, but, you know, anyway. What is interesting is that does override, this is, this is super interesting, it overrides Tasmania's forced speech laws. What? what? So in Tasmania they have forced speech where you are um, forced to accept uh, the gender of whatever whatever gender a person says that they are. There's some um, 80-odd genders, and if they state I'm this particular gender, then you have you are forced to actually verbally acknowledge that in all cases, at all times, whether the person is present or not, uh, or whether you agree with it or not. And this overrides that uh, forced speech laws. Wow. Um, and sets up a Freedom of Religion Commissioner. So many interesting aspects to this. It'll be interesting to see how it plays out. Big times for Australia. Uh, This is the Forbes family with God Leads Us Along.
Welcome back, everybody. That was the Forbes family with God Leads Us Along. You're listening to Faith FM. We're going to have another clue for our quiz. Have a stab at it. I had a stab at it and got it right. Clue number three for this What Number Am I quiz. Obadiah hid prophets in two caves. 
In each cave, he hid this many prophets. I see. I would have got it from that one. Mm-hmm. That's why I went to number, number three. <laughs> yes. And the prize today is a DVD. I'm going to give away a movie. Um, so the, it's a movie called Kingdom Come, The History of Tomorrow. Really great film. Um, give us a call. 1-800-FAITH-FM. If you get it right, you'll get a copy of That Kingdom is Come. a fantastic documentary mm-hmm. right there. Uh, documentary on, uh, yeah, the history of uh, Daniel Chapter 2. Yeah. Yes, good uh, the Babylonian Empire and uh, all the way down through to our time since then. Anyway, joining us on the phone this morning is David Haupt, who uh, is has been doing a series with us on emotional health, particularly dealing with uh, pain in the past and shame that we um, attach to ourselves due to that pain. Uh, this morning, um, David is going to really, you know, we've, we've looked at how that pain shapes our lives and uh, and this associated shame, but you know, how do you how do we deal with our pain, um, the pain of the past, now that it is past, now that it is in the past? So our pain is in the past. How do we stop that affecting our lives from here on in, David? What can you what you, what can you share with us this morning to help us out with this question? Good morning to you and to your listeners. So often we find in the in the counselling room. People that are embattled by their past, they held back, they, they are concrete. And even research shares with us that um, if a dramatic event has taken place, that it would be like an anchor that's been, uh, or rather a stake that's been hit into the ground and attached to our legs and we'll try to move away from it. But as we try to move away from it, stress would build up and eventually it would catapult us back. To that, and we see the cyclical, emotional, and uh, psychological struggle that people have sometimes throughout of their life. And as you correctly asked the question, how can I then deal with the past now that it's part of my past? Okay, so we've got a stake in the ground with a chain around it, and that's chained to our leg. Would it be fair to say that that's, that that chain is a rubber chain? So it'll stretch, 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 and then launches. And you know, backwards like a rubber band. That is exactly what um, the French research researcher Jeanette says that uh, it will stretch, but you will reach a point where you can't take a step further because it will catapult you right back. It will pull your feet from under you, and that is the experience that so many of our people face in life. That that's the experience that I faced, and I was confronted. Um, along with this text in Romans 8.28, as I was dealing with an enormous pain of a loved one brutally uh, being killed, that Romans 8.28 says, and we know that all things work together for good for those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. Yeah, that's one of the most powerful verses in the Bible. Just an incredible promise right there. I'm sharing that promise with a young mother that just discovered that her father is sexually abusing her daughter. She's a Christian and she just explodes as I share that text with her. But I just wonder, if scripture is true, how can this text be true also in our life? Particularly in a circumstance like the one that you've just described, I can imagine that someone in that situation would say, that's impossible. Exactly. 
And that is the point. Humanly speaking, it's, it is impossible because what, what humanistic psychology therefore says is go and stand every morning in front of the mirror, look at the person looking back at you and say to yourself, good morning, Ansem. Ain't the world a great place to have you around? But tonight in the darkness and in the loneliness, I know that that is fake. There needs to be a super, uh, supernatural intervention in our life. So and rather than trying to pull ourselves up by our bootstraps, we reach up to an outside source of power. Is that what you're saying? Up to this point uh, in our discussions every morning, we've discovered that the natural response is for human beings to look at others to derive their worth and value from others' behavior towards us. We've discovered so far that whatever people will give us is just reflective of where they are at in their own life. We need a more solid, stabler source of worth and value to speak our worth. And I would like to propose that the only person that can do that is God. Mm, mm, Absolutely. So therefore... What does God say about me at the time of pain in my life? Um, I'm, I'm turning to the book of Ephesians in my Bible, Ephesians chapter 2. And there, verse 10, just after Paul has shared the gospel, the good news that is free gift out of the hand of God, he says, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works. That word that is translated as created in the original text really can say that we have been crafted in Christ Jesus. I would like to propose to our listeners that that crafting takes place primarily at very painful moments in our life. Now, let me ask you this question. When do we learn the most? When things are going well? or when we go through struggles in our life. Yeah, definitely is when we go through struggles because when things are going well, your, your, your brain really does go into free wheel mode um, and it's just like it's in neutral coasting down the hill. Uh, it, it doesn't actually really engage significantly unless there is a challenge to engage the brain. So Jeremiah writes a wonderful promise to the Israelites and it's a promise that as Christians we often share with each other he says here in Jeremiah 29 and there verse 11 for I know the thoughts that I think towards you says the Lord thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you a future and a hope now where was Israel at the time that this promise was given yeah, well, they were in Babylon. They were in Babylonian captivity. Oh, not 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 on holiday. <laughs> no, not exactly. Not exactly. Yeah, they they weren't there by choice. They were slaves. So they were in a very painful moment of their history in captivity. And this was kind of and like the is- second time around for them because they'd been in Egyptian captivity, and that was an event that had seared itself into the national self conscious so that they always saw themselves as a free people, and now they've lost that. And it is during this painful time that God sends a message to them, and he says, the thoughts that I think towards you, says the Lord, are thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you a future 
and hope. Now, remember now the story of the young mother that just discovered her, that, that her father is sexually abusing her, her child. She's very much in captivity. She very much is is looking at that behavior and is angry because how can Romans 8.28 says and all will work for good. It is interesting that the word in Jeremiah that is translated as future is different to the way that we understand future. In our Western culture, when I talk about future, I look straight ahead of me, right? Mm-hmm. That's right. But the word aharit in the Hebrew actually means that I need to look back in order to discover how God is preparing my future for me. Oh, that's so significant because that shows the the value of understanding history to be able to understand it. So, so in other words, if you want to understand the, the future, you've got to understand the past. So so let's combine Romans 8.28 and Ephesians 2 verse 10 and, and say to ourselves, is it therefore possible that in the greatest pain of my life, which God doesn't bring upon me, but he allows in my life, God in actual fact is busy crafting me for a very specific calling, a very specific mission, a very specific task that he has for me. Yeah, that's a that's that's a significant that's a very significant thought right there. And I'm just sort of sit, sit here and think, you know, and I can look back through my past, and and suddenly I'm asking myself a whole bunch of questions about, okay, did God have a plan in mind when some of the tragedies in my past took place? So, in other words, when major tragedy takes place in our life, we stand in front of a choice. We can either allow that to define who we are, especially if injustice takes place. We so often allow it to define us, or we stand in front of a choice of searching for deeper meaning in that and then to reframe it into something positive. Okay, so how do we go about actually doing that? How do we reframe uh, a really, truly horrific event into something positive? I mean, how would how would this girl that's been abused, how would she be able to reframe that into something yeah, that's I think, positive? I think we're getting into like a dangerous territory because I've heard, I've, I've had a, a young um, sister, uh, like sister in Christ say to me, how dare people say that this was part of God's plan, part of God's plan that I was abused. If this was... If this is how God teaches me, I don't want nothing to do with God. Exactly. So it's a, it's a, it's a dangerous ground to be walking on to say this was part of God's plan to teach us. That is exactly. And friends, this is exactly the point where I struggled in my life. Why the injustice that I went through. This is I'm, I'm not just sharing something out of a textbook. I'm sharing this out of personal experience. And I struggled as I opened my Bible to the last chapter of the book of Genesis. And I read the story of a man that has been abused and treated unjustly by his brothers. He has been sold as a slave. You know who I'm talking about. Mm, Joseph. Jo- Joseph. He has an, he has the right to be angry. He has the right to feel where was God when all of this injustice took place. Now, in the final chapter, they just buried their, brother, their, their, their father and there is nothing that can hold him now back from taking revenge on his on his brothers. And they, they know that and they send messengers to, to him saying to him, 
please, Dad said before he died, forgive us, don't harm us. And my Bible says that Joseph wept. They eventually come and they fall in front of him and they they confess and they say, we will be your servants for the rest of our days. And Joseph in verse 20 of Genesis chapter 50 says, do not be afraid for am I in the place of God? You see, retribution and and the need to get revenge is so strong in us as human beings, but that only enslaves us more. But then he takes in verse 20 the next step. He says, but as for you, listen to how he speaks the truth therapy. He says, you meant evil against me. He doesn't say forgiveness does not mean that there's not going to be consequence, that what you've done is okay. But Joseph says, what you've done was wrong, but, and here comes the reframing in Joseph's life. He says, God meant it for good. Which text does that remind me of? Romans 8, 28. God meant it for good in order to bring it as it is this day to save many people alive. He discovers in his greatest pain a missional calling a reframing. And as I share this with this young mother, she she goes away, prays about this, and struggles with God, and walks into my office two weeks later. And the moment she walks in, I can see that the weight is lifted. And I ask her the question, I said, what happened to you? Where are you coming from? She said, I've just signed up. I'm sharing the story with her permission. She said, I've just signed up for a new course at university. I said, I thought you're already a registered nurse. She said, yes, I am, but I've just signed up for social welfare, to which I ask, to do what with? She said, my greatest pain has become my calling I want to become Australia's best nurse slash social worker working with women who's been sexually abused. My experience is not the pain of my life anymore. It now has become my missional calling. That's an incredibly powerful story, um, David. Thank you so much for sharing that and really challenging all of us to relook at our past and our past experiences and to reframe that in a positive light. We're going to move on with the show. This is Anna Beaton with the song Unimaginable. Have you ever felt joy deep inside your soul? Have you ever felt a love that never would grow cold And have you ever found The peace that trumps no matter what may come And the patience of a high school teacher <laughs> There's a place we're going to There's a place with all those attributes And there's a place where all our And the puzzle is filled Have you ever seen Kindness all around And goodness triumphing evil In every round 
from your lips my name your call Jesus it's you I'll stand before Totally and all It's unimaginable To Faith and now FM. there's a new approach Positive to help us be more radio. forgiving. A program called Forgive to Live. It's designed to help us all improve our lives. You'll discover the healing power of forgiveness. A relationship breakdown, long-term hurt, unresolved conflict. Through Forgive to Live, you can break this cycle and start living a more forgiving life. So if you're keen to take that first step, head to forgivetolive.org.au. Sydney Wolverton. I came to church a beggar and found I have a saviour so Anna Beden. It is all so very simple. And Kemi Ogandi. Don't miss this once-in-a-lifetime event as three of our country's best Christian singer-songwriters come together in concert. October 12th, 6.30 at Maitland SDA Church. Call 0413122348 now to book your seat.
Say